the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, everyone, um, thank you so much. Um, this is Al Fadi, and uh, this is a special uh, live stream from our studios, uh, which is both uh, going to be video on our YouTube channel, Sira International, and I believe also on our Facebook page, alfadi.sira. But also it's going to be part two of our radio uh, podcast, Let Us Reason. And for our radio audience, I want to welcome you back to part two. Last week, you have heard uh, part one, which was a discussion about fabrications that we are uncovering, that it relates to the biography of Muhammad, who is the prophet of Islam, and how there is... Uh, amazingly glaring overlap or even borrowing from either the Old Testament and something related to Moses or the New Testament and something related to the biography of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brother uh, Mill, thank you so much for being here with us. And uh, I think last time we stopped at uh, portions of the biography of Muhammad that were borrowed from the Gospel of Luke and Matthew. Yeah, um, I think a thought that I'd I'd like to start with is uh, Jesus said to build your house on the rock and not on sand. And I think, you know, to our Muslim audience, I would suggest that when we look at fabrication, what you're seeing is actually that the foundation of Islam is built on sand, literally. And uh, all I'm doing is exposing the fact that the foundation is really weak. Mm-hmm. And I would suggest that if you really want a strong foundation, you have to go to where the truth lies. So here's another example. Um, there's a story in the Sirah that uh, when Muhammad was born, Um, His mother sent to tell his grandfather, Abdul Mutalib, Mm -hmm. and it said that it's alleged that Abdul Mutalib took him in the uh, Kaaba, where he stood and prayed to Allah, thanking him for his gift. So essentially, he he meets Muhammad in the Kaaba and uh, thanks God for him. It's almost like Simeon, right? Exactly like (laughs) Simeon. And what's interesting, if, if we take... The Jerusalem thesis into account and assume that the Kaaba was originally the, the masjid on the Temple Mount, then this really fits in nicely with Simeon. And we can see how this could have transitioned mm-hmm. in, from an earlier narrative where it was located in Jerusalem, even though it was still fictional, and then transitioned to a different location down in the Hejaz. So they're taking s- stories and then retell them, retelling them in a different location. So if we look at um, the story in terms of uh, Luke and Matthew's version. Let's see. So at that time, there was a man named Simeon living in Jerusalem. He was a good and God-fearing man and was waiting for Israel to be saved. The Holy Spirit was with him and had assured him that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's promised Messiah. Led by the Spirit, Simeon went to the, into the temple. When the parents brought the child Jesus into the temple to do for him what the law required, 
Simeon took the child in his arms and gave thanks to God. Notice how closely they are alike. So Mutalib or Abdul Mutalib prayed to Allah, thanking him for this gift. In the gospel, it says that Simeon gave thanks to God. Right. I think these these parallels are are beyond coincidence. It's clear that they just simply wanted to present Muhammad as the Messiah, the promised Messiah. In fact, exactly. Uh, I think that's actually one of the nicknames for um, Muhammad. Muhammad. Yeah. And in, in fact, brother, I, I want to I want to add a few things here. Uh, but, but first, I yeah. want to address uh, someone by the name of John Seventh uh, uh, Day. Uh, you're asking about the seerah. As we stated, the seerah is the biography of Muhammad, uh, the genealogy, if you wish, and his life. I mean, uh, the seerah of Muhammad contains accounts of his life, how he, when he was born, how his early life was like, how uh, he received his first revelation, uh, what transpired after that. In fact, it ventures into his military campaigns and other things. But then there is another biography by Al-Waqidi that is dedicated only for his military campaigns. And then you have also the uh, biography, Sir uh, al the uh, uh, from Aleppo. Uh, that's another version, and there is also the Shia version of the biography. So there is a number of those biographies that are out there, but we, we tend to focus usually on the traditionally accepted biography or narrative known as the biography of Ibn Ishaq slash Ibn Hisham, and that's the one that we are referring to. So hopefully that clarifies it for you. I can see that Sister Gedalia did an excellent job explaining it to you, but just in case you wanted to hear it also from us. Now, uh, I want to say something here from a philosophical standpoint, Mel, when you find coincidences like this adding up in someone else, in this case, biography, that, uh, you know, it's amazingly, uh, you know, similar or almost similar to the same accounts or events that took place in this case in the life of Jesus, as it's happening in the life of Muhammad, one can really reach a conclusion that the biographer who wrote this first admits that Jesus's biography is true. Second, he is borrowing the thoughts or the essence of it or even the wording of it, confirming that it existed in his days. We're talking now almost, you know, 800 years after the time of Jesus. And that in and of itself should be, uh, you know, uh, an evidence to assure the believers in Christ that look to the extreme that this biographer has to go by borrowing things from Jesus's own biography and life to apply it to another person. Yeah, I'd agree with you 100%. In the early centuries, Muslims believed in the Bible. They believed it was true. They didn't believe it was corrupted in any way. And then it was only centuries later when people actually sat down to compare the Quran with the Bible and they did a proper analysis. They realized that there's contradictions between the two. And so at that stage, the narrative had to be changed. The the, the apologetics team went into interaction and they basically said well it must be the bible has been corrupted and that was in order to mm-hmm. talk away the contradictions between the two because obviously they both cannot be true so if you believe the bible is true you can't believe that the quran is true if you're aware of the contradictions between the two one of them has got to go and they decided that it was the bible that had the corruption in it yeah and, and of course think that at the beginning Amen. And, and uh, uh, you know, Brother Mel, I want to I wanna thank God for giving us uh, tools like Google and the Internet and, uh, and YouTube and everything else. Because in the past, yeah, maybe it was hidden from people. I mean, I, I would expect someone who only like us, I grew up hearing these kind of stories. I never connected the dots. I said, oh, man, this sounds like Jesus' story. 
First of all, I didn't have access to Jesus' story. Second of all, I probably would have denied it anyway simply because I am passionate about Muhammad. I was follow Muhammad. I want to believe that the Bible is corrupt and so on and so forth. Now, I would say to our Muslim friends, you have no excuse anymore. We're giving you the data. Nobody's forcing you, by the way, to accept it or reject it. But do your homework. It's your life, your spiritual life, and your eternal life that is really on the line here. And do not claim that you didn't know because we're giving you the data. All you have to do now is go and search. Even Google and Siri can provide you information a lot faster than any of us these days. Yeah. As I say, don't take my word for it. Go and and ask the questions. Do your own research. And, you know, you'll find that what I'm saying is true. And uh, you'll... I think our audience will probably find a hundred more examples of what I'm talking about today. This is literally just a few um, sample examples to kind, of, exactly. to kind of whet your appetite. Exactly. So, brother, what else uh, you have here? Okay, so this is another uh, tale. It, uh, it refers to Halima, the apostle's foster mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, it says that she went forth from her country with her husband and little son whom she was nursing among the women of her tribe. And... Uh, and she was in search of other babies to nurse. And it says she was riding a dusky she-donkey of hers. Now, um, this should sort of ring bells, maybe. Um, there's a picture there on the right. Uh-huh. Um, a husband and wife with, with um, well, in the case of Mary and Joseph, we're talking about a baby just to be born, but there's a strong parallel there. And uh, it says, I rode upon my donkey, which had kept back the other riders through its weakness and uh, emancipation so that it was a nuisance to them. When we reached Mecca, so the the place has obviously changed from Bethlehem, I would suggest. We looked out for foster children and the Apostle of Allah was offered to every one of us and each woman refused them. So what's happening is they've taken the story of the search for an inn and instead they're of looking for an end, they search all of Mecca for suckling breasts for Muhammad. You know, Mel, I've so, never, ever heard uh, that there was an end in Mecca at the time of Muhammad. <laughs> never heard of such a thing. Number two, yeah. supposedly Muhammad came from a large tribe, right? You know, uh, yeah. Bani Hisham, you know, and uh, uh, the tribe of Quraysh. And his, uh, his grandfather was a very well-known leader. Uh, why wouldn't he have it in his house? Yeah, and there's also the issue, um, they, they travel supposedly from Syria, down to uh, the most um, barren part of Arabia. That's right. Does that make sense? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so even the story doesn't really hang to- together very well. It's, it's, you can see it's borrowed, but it's not even a very credible story. It's the sort of fairy tale you might tell a very young child. Um, but I guarantee you, if you were to tell these stories to the average teenager, I think most teenagers would see right through the story and say, oh, they've, They've clearly borrowed this from the Gospels. Yeah. And here's the thing, uh, Mill. I mean, um, maybe you heard it. Did any Muslim come to you and say, you know what, Mill? Uh, it's actually the other way around. Uh, the stories about Muhammad are true, and it's the Gospel writers or later, uh, you know, Christians corrupted the Gospel to borrow from Muhammad's story. Have you ever heard something like that? Yeah, I, I think they, they obviously must believe in time machines as well, because um, we have the Gospels from, from way before the time of Islam. Amen. So... There is no dispute. In fact, uh, in the city where I live, there are fragments of the Bible that come from the 6th century, the 5th century. Even even some passages from St. Paul's writings are actually 
um, in a museum nearby. So actually, I, I've gone and see, seen that with my own eyes. So there's no question which came first. And uh, I would suggest that um, the Gospels, the evidence of the Gospels are, is, is really clear cut. Um, you really have to believe in a fantasy to think that it came the other way around. Absolutely. And again, brother, I don't want to uh, really uh, eat up much of your time by me talking. Uh, we have about uh, 10 minutes left, so uh, I will give you the time to finish your thoughts. I know you have a few more slides left. Okay. So there's also a, a rehash of the transfiguration story. Oh, well. Um, so, yeah. take, so we take, for example, in, in this story, Al-Hassan Al said to the apostle and Gabriel went their way until they arrived at the temple at Jerusalem. There he found Abraham, Moses, and Jesus among a company of the prophets. The apostles acted as their imam in prayer. And then it says, then the apostle returned to Mecca, and in the morning he told Koresh what had happened. Most of them said, by God, this is a plain absurdity. A caravan take, taken a month to go to Syria and a month to return, and can Muhammad do the return journey in one night? And uh, Abu Bakr says, if he says so, then it is true. So this is the same Abu Bakr who says, I do not, I do not, you know, feel safe from the deception of Allah, even if one foot was in paradise. The same Abu Bakr, you know, is like, oh, if he said it, that must be true. Yeah. And so you can see with the, the that account where Muhammad apparently meets Abraham and Moses and Jesus. Right. It's borrowed from the transfiguration where Jesus meets um, Moses and Elijah and talks with him. So they've just, they've copied it and then they've added on a little bit to make it even more um, amazing. Right. And if we go on to the next one here, we also have a rehash of the Ascension. So it says, after the completion of my business in Jerusalem, a ladder was brought to me finer than any I have ever seen. Uh, it was that to which the dying man looks when death approaches. My companion mounted it with me until we came to one of the gates of heaven called the gate of the watchers and so on. Okay, so you can read that right. for yourselves. So Muhammad supposedly ascends into heaven. And this is pretty much t uh, an, an imitation of the story of Jesus going up into heaven. Jesus was taken up into heaven. They worshipped him, went back into Jerusalem. And uh, it's interesting that, both of the, the accounts are situated in Jerusalem. Yeah, and, and I, I want to add, and I want to add a couple of things, brother. I mean, the, the use of the ladder is intriguing to me because Jesus used the ladder also in his speech uh, to Nicodemus, uh, or at least uh, alluded, given allusion to Jacob's ladder, if you wish. And Jacob yeah. in Genesis, of course, had this encounter, the vision, uh, watching, you know, basically encounter with God, seeing a ladder, seeing the angels ascending and descending. So yeah. it makes you wonder if whether Muhammad or the writer of these accounts heard these kind of stories and wanted somehow to incorporate them. Absolutely. And it kind of goes to show that they are using both the Old Testament and the New Testament to piece together this story. Right. And I, I suppose for the average Muslim, maybe who's maybe never read the Bible, they, they won't be aware that this has been borrowed from the Bible. They won't see the similarity. But to most Christians who are even moderately aware of what's in the Bible, it's pretty obvious that they borrowed this. Yep. Yep. Again, I want to um, uh, turn to our audience. Thank you so much, of course, those of you who are joining us. It is live. And uh, Gedalia, why don't you take care of Paul, who is not Paul of Tarsus, by the way. He's just a, he's just a fake Paul Tarsus, you know. So you can take care of him because he definitely need a good 
interaction, if you know what I mean. All that to say is that um, we want to thank, of course, our radio audience, Let Us Reason, as well. We, you have been uh, listening and watching, if you're live, a, uh, uh, basically this episode about the fabrication of the biography of Muhammad, who is the bedrock foundation for Islam. He is the founder of Islam. He's the prophet of Islam. He is the one that all Muslims worship before Allah. He is part of the Shahada. If he's missing from the Shahada, you're not a Muslim. Without him, you have no hope of salvation. Without him, you can, you're not going to get any intercession on your behalf. This is the same person that we are showing you. Just few simple examples, by the way. It took us less than 48 minutes to poke so many holes in this narrative that it is really, really sad that you still have people who follow this uh, person truly believe that he is a real person, and these stories, uh, I would say, a real person as depicted, I should say, in their own biographies or the Quran, and a person that have things like this happen to him, when in fact there is a glaring, glaring, you know, uh, uh, identical, uh, basically, overlap here between these events that we mentioned, whether the reference to a ladder, whether the reference to ascension, the reference to the Mount of Transfiguration and, uh, uh, you know, figures of other prophets uh, that met with him when he was praying, whether even uh, mentioned in his genealogy of different names that resemble what the Gospels uh, talk about from a genealogical standpoint. All of this should draw to the attention to our Muslim uh, people f first. Go and investigate these facts now. You have Google. You have many other tools. You can go to a library. There are libraries online these days. You cannot say I don't have access to Islamic books. By the way, I have for my PhD tons of Islamic sources that I get online. And I'm thankful for that because it's right there. I can get it. I can quote it. I can point to it. You don't have to travel anymore. You're going to have to spend a dime anymore to buy anything. So, brother, we have about three minutes, three and a half minutes, maybe, before we wrap up. Um, any final thoughts? Yeah, just simply in, in conclusion to all I've said, just to reinforce what you've said as well, is simply that the biography of Muhammad as found in the Sin, the standard Islamic narrative, is essentially a legend or a mythology. Uh, this is not to deny that there might have been a historical figure that was the inspiration, but that's a, a long way away from accepting the biography. So even if we accept that there was someone who was an, an inspiration, he may not have been called Muhammad. Muhammad is probably a title for him. But he was living um, in 634, two years after the standard Islamic narrative says that he has died. If the standard Islamic narrative can't even get the date of his death correct, how can we trust other less important details? It just shows you that this is not to be trusted. And it'd be far better for people to actually do their own research and, and turn to the early sources right. to get a better sense of who this person was. And there's really very little that we can really say about him, you know? Amen. Well, brother, uh, we still have a couple of minutes uh, before we, we close here. Um, anything else um, in the horizon uh, by way of research that you're working on? I'm constantly receiving uh, little nuggets of information from uh, different people. Um, one of the the details that I'm looking at at the moment is investigating um, the Dome of the Rock and and the purpose of the Dome of the Rock. Um, those who may have watched, um, or those who are watching P. Fanders will will be seeing a couple of videos coming up on that very topic. Don't want to, to spoil the surprise, 
Um, it's a, there's a, a new thesis that I've brought out recently on my channel, um, and it's in relation to the purpose of the Dome of the Rock, and it suggests that um, it was um, used very directly to proclaim Muhammad. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I probably don't want to ruin the surprise, but there's mm-hmm. something quite um, significant in terms of the thesis, and I'm, I'm looking at the moment at, at further corroboration for that thesis, but it's Amen. it's got to do with the death of Muhammad, how he died, and his connection with the Dome of the Rock. So that's uh, a, a big one that I'm coming up with at the moment. That's wonderful. We'll wait until it's released, and then we'll bring you in, you or you and Jay as well, to discuss it as we uh, usually follow that protocol. But uh, thank you, brother, for all your research, for all the stuff that you do. And, uh, of course, uh, a reminder that our brother has his own YouTube channel, Sneakers Corner. Brother, can people support you through that channel? The most direct way of supporting me is simply by uh, subscribing and by watching the videos. Um, There is a link to uh, my Patreon account if people feel that they would like to financially support me. But I'm more than happy for people just to just to watch the videos, share the videos, and that's that alone is a great support. Absolutely, and we encourage you to do the same thing with this uh, particular episode and any of the other episodes that we've done with Brother Mel because you can see why they are meaty, they are juicy, they have a lot of stuff in them. And the beauty about it is he's not fabricating anything. We're talking about a fabricated biography that Mel did not fabricate. You can't make up the stuff. I mean, it's out there. You can go and research it yourself. We encourage every one of you to go and double-check our work. We welcome your comments. If you want to challenge our source, tell us. We lied and show us why you think we're lying. Because I get these comments all the time, and yet the person is arguing from emotional standpoint. We don't argue emotionally. We argue factually. You have facts to present? Go for it. If you don't facts to present, please save your breath because you're not going to really make a dent in whatever data we are sharing here. And uh, we're going to close, of course, our Let Us Reason podcast. But uh, for uh, our audience who are live, stay for a few more minutes, folks. I want to make a couple of uh, uh, additional announcements for you. And brother, thank you so much for being here with thank us. You. We hope to have you back again soon. Any any last words? Anything else you want to share? I would say maybe the, you know to those in the Dawa team who want to debunk um, anything that I've presented, you can debunk false ideas, you can debunk um, falsehoods, but you can't debunk facts. So um, I, all I've done is presented uh, details from your own sources. Right. Um, if you really want to debunk, um, I think I would encourage you to debunk the Sarah itself. I think that's probably a, a better use of your time. Absolutely. And this concludes our podcast, by the way, Let Us Reason. But for those of uh, you who are joining us live, uh, please stay for a few more minutes. Uh, Let's see if you have any specific questions for Brother Mel. I want to remind everyone, by the way, uh, to subscribe to our channel. Praise the Lord. uh, Lord, We are approaching 100,000, by the way. So we're almost there. I think we're getting close to 90,000. So we encourage all of you to subscribe, of course, spread the word. And uh, these are the kind of videos we want people, uh, you know, to know about. Uh, Again, uh, we have Patreon, uh, of course, uh, account. We started a campaign at the beginning of the year with the hope that we will gain 10 patrons. I have to sadly report to you that we have lost twice as much patrons than we gained. So I kind of gave up on that campaign. But we will uh, continue to encourage people, if the Lord put in your heart to be a patron, uh, that's one way you can support our efforts, simply because... Uh, you know, this is one uh, one of those steady uh, sources that we can rely on. And I'm not really so sure why we lose people, even though, by the way, the average given is about a dollar and a half to two dollars. So we're not talking much, but we like more people 
for the same reason as my brother mentioned, more subscribers, more followers, more people, that mean the knowledge will spread out a lot faster because some of you are in areas that we may not know about or don't even have access to. Maybe you can share it with people that don't even have access to YouTube or Facebook or Internet. Somehow you can transmit these kind of information to them. So we encourage you to do so. We will follow up more uh, probably tomorrow in this, uh, uh, you know, uh, Patreon campaign. We have an online conference, an upcoming online conference that will take place online, not in person, online on October 14th. October 15th and October 16th. I've announced it a couple of times already. I've done already one promo with Dr. J. I'll be doing more promos possibly tomorrow and for the rest uh, of the time between now and the conference time. We encourage those of you uh, who are listening right now or will listen to this later to go to my Facebook page uh, and check the brochure or the flyer in there or go to my website, sierrainternational.com. And really the link to register or at least explore it is Sierra international, one word, C as in Charlie, sierrainternational.com forward slash 2021-2021 conference, sierrainternational.com forward slash 2021 conference. Uh, we certainly, the time uh, is starting to get closer and closer now, and it will be limited by the first week of October. The registration will end up closing. So we don't want you to miss out on this. So we encourage all of you to connect. We have amazing uh, speakers for different tracks. One track for evangelism, that will be on the 14th, which is Thursday. We have uh, former Muslims from Saudi and others that will be interacting with you and teaching. Then the track on Friday is the most popular, of course, evangel uh, about apologetic and polemics. We have Dr. J, and uh, we have Sam Shimon, we have Dr. Tony Costa, and a few others as well. And then the track on the 15th has to do with end times and the role of the church to reach Middle Easterns, and specifically those who might be tied to what we call the Arab people or Muslims, but from a biblical viewpoint. So thank you so much again. Let me see if we see any questions for Brother Mill. I'm not really seeing anything. Gedalia, thank you so much for putting that link. Um, all right. So uh, if you guys have any additional questions, feel free to leave comments for me or for Mill or even go and subscribe into his own YouTube channel which is Sneakers Corner, and you can interact with him and his material directly. Brother, thank you so much. We appreciate you and hope to have you back again. All right, everyone. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.